Good People, Cool Things is a podcast featuring conversations with entrepreneurs, writers, musicians, and other creatives. Get inspired by their stories to do your own cool thing. And here's your host, Joey Held. Welcome to Good People, Cool Things. Today's guest is Jesse Berg, the founder of Outgrow Your Garage. And Jesse had a small business, realized, wait a minute, there's not that many helpful resources out there for small business owners. I'm being asked a lot of stuff, and I'm like, why, why is there nothing out here for it? So she went ahead and created Outgrow Your Garage, which offers courses and resources and easily digestible formats, which is always a delightful thing to see for small business owners. So if you own your business or are aspiring to own a business and you're like, I have no idea where to get started, or I don't know what to do about hiring people, or I don't know anything about financials, Outgrow Your Garage has resources for all of those things in nice animated videos, in transcripts, in audio, whatever your preference, you're getting all the goods. And that is some good things. <laughs> Just like the name of the show, kind of, the twist, because it's good people and cool things, you know. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can reach out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at GPCT Podcast. Even better, head on over to goodpeoplecoolthings.com. Sign up for the newsletter, which gets sent to your inbox, and it has all kinds of goodies from resources, tips, interviews that share all of this wonderful content for you so you can make your business brand grow even better than it ever has. So nestle in, lean back, and enjoy this conversation with Jesse. To kick it off, can you give us your name, an elevator pitch, and also the type of elevator that we're riding on? My name is Jesse Berg, uh, founder of Outgrow Garage. We do accessible business development for people who don't have time or funding to do a lot of business development in the world because they're busy actually running their business. Uh, and let's see, what kind of elevator? I always like those old birdcage elevators. Like when you go into the old buildings in like San Francisco from the early 1900s, and you've got to close the cage and then close the other door and then the elevator moves up. I just thought they were real fun. Nice Art Deco elevator. Definitely want to talk about Outgrow Your Garage, but you kind of got the idea for that after starting another business. So how did you get into business in the first place? Yeah. So uh, I have spent my entire life working in trades, services, seasonal and seasonal businesses. I've worked at summer camps. I've worked in environmental education. I've worked in farming. Uh, my dad was a mechanic. My mom worked in printing. My first job was loading the stitcher in a print shop at 12, which, um, fun fact, definitely violates child labor laws. But definitely, <laughs> luckily, child labor laws don't apply to family-owned businesses. So oh, no, no, harm, no harm, no foul. Uh, so yeah, so I've really spent my whole life working in these businesses that just don't fit neatly into what we think of as business, right? They're not office-based. They're not corporate. Um, in order to grow them, you have to scale by hiring people, right? Um, even at a factory, you still need people to run those machines, right? So you have to hire more people who are able to run the machines. Um, and when I started work 25 years ago, computers running machines were not as common as they are now. Uh, but so eventually, I wanted a savings account, right? I hit my 30s and I went, you know, it'd be neat savings accounts. That would be cool. And in the seasonal world, at the time I was working in farming and landscaping, you really only make money by owning the business, right? Otherwise, you're changing jobs every year. You're looking for new jobs all the time. But the people who own the business get to save for that off season. They get to set the prices. They determine how much they can pull off the top. And so I wanted to start my own business, 
I wanted to be able to treat my seasonal staff better than I had been treated at a lot of the jobs that I had. And I wanted to really do some good in the world of business. What I found was that sustainable landscaping was a lot of fun. I loved being my own boss. I really loved training staff. I really loved working with clients. Uh, I did not love how few resources there were for people building that kind of business. So I would show up to, I'm from Colorado, and we passed a really cool PTO law a couple of years ago that said everybody's entitled to PTO. Every company has to provide PTO for their employees, whether they're part-time, whether they're full-time, whether they're seasonal. Here's some funding and resources for employers to make that work. I showed up to every single learning session and said, but how will this apply to seasonal employees? What happens? It says, you know, you have to kick their PTO back in if they come back within a year. But what happens if part of your regular workflow is laying people off and then hiring them back two months later? And they went, well, there's not really enough seasonal employers in Colorado for us to worry about this. We're literally known for our ski industry, guys. <laughs> come on. Um, so that type of experience, I kept having that kind of experience and I kept having that kind of experience. And so what ended up happening is I had a lot of opinions publicly. Uh, and people started asking me how I was running my business and how I was working around those issues. And I was developing a reputation for being a good business owner. I had zero staff turnover in my landscaping company, which if you know anything about seasonal businesses, turnover in seasonal businesses is a huge, huge issue. And I just had none. Um, so I was starting to teach people about business. And then um, some of you may remember in uh, 2020, 2021, we had this big global pandemic that affected lots of things. Uh, and in I Denver, recall it, yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. You know, we kind of remember these things. <laughs> and uh, I'm always, I always think we're going to listen to these podcasts in like two years and be like, I've totally blocked that out of my head. What happened is the cost of living in Denver skyrocketed, just astronomically skyrocketed in 2021. And at the end of 2021, Every single person on my staff was leaving the state because they literally could not afford to live in Colorado anymore. The cost of living had gotten so bad. And I went, well, that's a really clear sign to transition out of this business and into doing this other business, Outgrow Your Garage, that's focused more on that advocacy and how do you build a business that doesn't fit neatly into these other styles of business. So that was the path to how I got here. And now it's been about a year since I made the shift. And I love it. I never thought I would really like running an online business, but as it turns out, it's great. Again, we're going to talk about the pandemic a little bit. I think that's something that people have kind of looked into more is like, hey, you know, I'm I'm stuck at home, but I would be interested in being my own boss and, and running a business. And I think an online, like the foray into online and digital, I think is a, an appealing prospect for a lot of people. But having done both physical world versus a, an online business, what have you learned from, I guess, both of them that you can apply to the other? And has there been something that's that's kind of surprised you along the way? I mean, they're a lot the same, and then they're a lot different between the two styles. One of the things that I found a lot with the specific type of physical business I ran, which was landscaping, is there were all these things nobody ever talks about that goes running into a service-based business, right? So you have to pay for not just the amount of time that somebody is providing that service, but you have to pay for the gas to get there and the time it takes them to go to estimates and all the estimates that didn't turn out into actual sales and the back-end office people who never do anything billable but are absolutely vital to running the business because when you call a plumber, you expect somebody to answer the phone and say, this is when the plumber is going to show up. Um, so you need somebody to do that. But that person does not ever come out and fix your plumbing. 
So they're straight dead weight in terms of finances. So you have to pay for all of those pieces that happen. And when we think about a service, we don't think about all those back-end things. And when we talk about how to build a business, we talk about overhead, but we don't talk about variable overhead. The cost of gas is skyrocketing right now, which affects all of your construction projects. It affects all of your house cleaners. It affects all of your roofers. It affects all of these different mobile businesses. It affects your food trucks. Um, and so figuring out those pieces was huge in my personal business journey on the physical side. But then on the online side, there were all these other pieces I had to learn about that weren't in my scope of vision. I know more about back-end tech solutions and APIs and things about how different programs integrate with each other and how to evaluate that and look at that, which are things I never needed to know as a landscaper. But that now, because I have that experience as a landscaper, I can look at it and go, this will work for somebody who's operating their business from their phone. This will work for somebody who's primarily working in an area that doesn't have cell reception. This company has a solution for how do you take credit cards when most of your clients do not exist in a place with cell reception or you can't guarantee that, right? Colorado, we have lots of mountains. We have lousy cell service in a lot of places. And that's true of a lot of rural areas too. And so how do you solve some of these issues? And knowing exactly what those are has been really beneficial in working in the online world. Um, the flip side to that is I can still work outside. So I have my nice patio table and patio chair and I can still go sit and work outside so I can still get that hit. Is there a certain area that you found most business owners gravitate towards needing help with? Or is it kind of the whole shebang of, of owning a business? I think for a lot of people, it is that whole shebang. A lot of people who go into business, they know a lot about the thing that they do and almost nothing about running a business. And so common places to struggle that everybody knows about are like finances. Everybody knows you don't know anything about taxes and finances, and you should hire a professional about. But a lot of people don't think about that staff piece of you have to at some point delegate a part of your business to another person. And that delegation piece, I think is the most stressful for a lot of business owners, partly because we're not really trained in how to do it well. We really exist within this culture where you're supposed to be good at everything, even though everybody knows you're not. Um, so figuring out what you're good at and what you're not, um, particularly when you have more time than money, but also figuring out that piece of how do I just let this go? You, you have to decide that you're going to hand it to somebody else and however they do it, it's still going to get done and it's going to be okay, even if it's not how you would do it. And I think that's the least talked about and single most stressful part for anybody who's just starting to grow a business or anybody who's a first time manager. It's kind of all in that same ballpark of, but how do I let somebody else do it and trust that they're going to do it right? And how do they? Write it down. Write down how you do it. This is, this is the huge thing that I think a lot of people miss is they go, uh, why can't I do this, right? Why can't this person do this? How do I do this? How did I do this last time? Write down your processes and procedures. Even if it's just you and your business, write down what you're doing and how you're doing it twofold. One, so if you don't do it that often, you remember how you did it the last time. So you don't have to spend that time figuring it out. But also because then when you do want to hire somebody, whether that's a virtual assistant, whether that's an actual staff office person, whether that's a person to drive trucks, whatever that first hire is, usually it's either someone who's going to bring in billable hours and work for producing money producing tasks, or it's going to be somebody to help answer the phone. That's almost always one of those two is what gets brought in. 
And so if you have those processes and procedures written down, then you skip that entire thing that's happened to every single person on the first day where you go, hi, welcome to your first day. And they go, what do I do now? And they go, uh, here's some paperwork. My lawyer says you have to fill it out. You're like, awesome, great. That's not an onboarding process. <laughs> so have all that stuff together. So then you just say, oh, yeah, I need you to do this today. Here's the process for it. Let me know if you have questions. And that makes your whole process easier. Nice. Yeah, I think I, I can't remember what the stat was that I just read that was something of like a bad onboarding process is the reason why some absurd high note, like close to like half of workers leave a company is because they had a bad onboarding experience. Oh, yeah. And it's just like it 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 really is baffling to hear some of the the tale. Like, I don't think I've ever worked at a company that was like truly horrible about it. But I have heard stories from people where I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's I would I would also have a terrible uh, taste in my mouth after that. Yeah, too. Well, and one of the things that happens mostly in bigger companies, but that is easy to let happen in some smaller companies, particularly startups where you're working with a recruiter, is the person doing the hiring and the person who is managing that new hire don't agree on what the job description is. So the hiring person hires for X job and then the person shows up and they're really doing Y job. And that is that leaves a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. And I personally have left jobs for that reason where I'm like, you hired me to do this. And then all these things that you didn't hire me to do are now what you're expecting me to do. And that's not the job I signed up for. So have a nice day. I'm done here. Um, and I think a lot of people do that. And I have looked at um, I have looked at large companies and gone. The number one key to staff retention is make sure your your on-site manager and your field manager agree with the hiring manager about what the job you're hiring for is and it was a whole lot of like oh we better write that down that's a great idea and i'm like that should not be like the key thing you're taking away here that should be like the starting <laughs> point we're all working from is everybody agree on the job description but that's the thing people were taking away and so i think it's important to remember what the job description actually is when you hire because that's what the person signed up for <laughs> Yeah, we don't want any any uh, crazy surprises for right. These people. No one likes that. Outgrow Your Garage has courses and workshops for for business owners, and I think I, I like to say that the I really don't like to say this, but I'm going to say it like I say this often that that since the pandemic started, there's definitely been an influx of online courses um, because you know there's something you can record from from home. You don't you don't need crazy uh, amounts of people coming to like a live event or anything like that, and I think generally people like doing things that they can do from home. They don't have to they don't have to go anywhere for a course. So the the issue with that is that the sheer volume of it, you're going to get a lot of duds. And uh, you know, I've I've attended webinars or, or signed up for courses where I was like, kind of kind of similar to a, a job listing like that, where it's like. This wasn't exactly how you advertised it. Maybe you touched on it a little bit, but not not anything like that. So kind of a two-part question for you. What format do you kind of have your courses in, in a way that is engaging for people? And how do you continue to develop content that's actually helpful for people and not just like smoke and mirrors? Yeah. Um, so as background here, I spent about a decade of my life teaching middle schoolers ecology outside. 
And these were like city middle schoolers uh, who were coming into the backcountry and going, oh, man, I've never seen this many trees before. Right. A lot of people have that experience. You hit sixth or seventh grade. Your school takes all the fifth graders, sixth graders, seventh graders, whatever, out for a week. And you spend three to five days at some outdoor education school and you do ecology and you play around outside and you learn about science. So I taught in that world for a long time. And I assume that everybody who runs a business has about the same level of attention span as those middle schoolers who are easily distracted by every bird that flew by. And I think that's a really key thing when you're thinking about how to teach to adults, particularly in this online world where we spend a lot of time on our phones. We spend a lot of time on the computer. Um, we just spend a lot of time kind of staring at screens. Even if you're not inclined to it, you still end up doing it. Um, and so all of our courses, they are online. Um, but they're broken down into these little modules. So there's not a single video that's more than 10 minutes. They are uh, also closed captioned or not closed captioned. They are animated. So they have some movement and stuff happening. Uh, they're also available as audio files and transcripts. So it doesn't really matter how you learn. If you wanna listen to the courses in little five or 10 minute pieces while you're cooking dinner, great, it functions like a podcast. If you wanna read it while you're feeding your kids dinner, Great, there's a transcript for that. If you wanna watch the video while you are, uh, your spouse is sleeping and you are laying in bed and you're still awake because your brain won't turn off because you have 37 things going on in the business and so you can't sleep yet, great, you can watch it in that without sound. So it's really set up for whatever your learning style is and wherever that time is. Um, that's one piece of it. And then the other one is everything has activities with it. So you'll watch your little 10 minute content video. And then we have these three sample businesses. They're a landscaper, a moving company and a house painting company. And each of those three businesses operates on a different level of technological utilization, let's say. So one of them is what's a technology? I use none of it. I take cash. I take check. I talk to people on text message, sometimes Facebook Messenger, um, all the way to we do everything electronically. Um, and so we really look at how do you implement these ideas, whatever that idea is, to your business, and how does a business that is like yours do that? And then there's an actual activity that says, okay, here is the content. Here's a list of questions for you about your business. This is how you apply the content. And so it really sets up that, that idea, example, application. And you go through that process four or five times in a given course, depending on what that course is on for whatever the topic is. So the hiring course goes from how do I hire when I don't know what I need? What's even the list of tasks and things that happen to my business? All the way through how much does it cost to hire? How do I write a job description? Where do I post it? You know, so you have all these pieces. So you end up with an action plan about that topic at the end. And you never had to spend more than 10 or 15 minutes at a time doing it. And then the other piece to answer that question about, I don't want to buy something if I don't know what it is. Great. We make the intros to all of our courses free. So you can go into any course and you watch the little introductory video. And then part of that introductory video has a summary of every single individual module. So it says, this is what you're going to do. And this is what it's about. And this is the activity. And so you have a really clear idea of what it's going to be. So if you're really interested in staff training and onboarding, and you look at our hiring course and you see it's mostly about what do I need and how to write a job description, you're going to look at that and go, oh, that's not what I need. I probably need this other course over here that's called staff training and onboarding. Um, so, you know, so they're really clear in terms of that. I never want somebody to purchase something and be like, nope, that wasn't what I expected. 
um, I want them to know exactly what they're getting. Um, and then we also do co-working sessions. We call them, sometimes we call them co-working, sometimes we call them outgrow your garage office hours. Um, and those happen twice a week and those are free. So people can always drop in and ask questions about our courses. And so, hey, here's my business, here's how it is. Do you have a course that meets my needs? And we can say, yes, we do, or no, we don't, but here's the release date for that, or no, but that's a great idea and we'll add it to the list. And so we're really on top of that. And so that information's all on our website too. What's one of the most unusual questions you've gotten in an office hour? Let's see. Unusual. Um, not unusual, I would say, but earlier today we were talking about grants and how to find a grant for your small business to generate some of that startup capital. Because as small business owners, a lot of us don't have rich uncles to conveniently come in and give us startup funding. Uh, some of us do, but a lot of us don't. And so figuring out how to do that early stage funding um, was a big one. So that's one. Grants wasn't a common question. Um, and sometimes there are and sometimes there aren't. That was one. But then another one um, was about, like, how to use TikTok. And somebody asked me the other day about, like, well, how do I use TikTok? And I hear it's owned by the Chinese government. And can I safely use TikTok for my business? And I was like, I don't know enough about TikTok to answer that question. Does your client base use TikTok? And that's that's your first question. But I don't know anything about like the technological and digital safety of your business on TikTok. I just know that a lot of people use it. And if that's where your clients are, then you can you can try that. <laughs> I think the the Chinese government uh, like rumor or myth, I think, has largely been debunked. Uh, but that was good enough to scare me off of TikTok back in the the early. I was like thinking of downloading it, and then I read about that. And I was just kind of like, I don't know. And then people will send me TikTok videos. And most of the time, I'm kind of like, I don't know if I wanted to to watch that. Like, I feel like right. I just wasted yeah. a few minutes of, of life. But then I've also had several people tell me I would thrive on TikTok. They're like, I've seen what you right. post on yeah. Instagram once a month. You probably do pretty well on TikTok. And I was like, I really don't want to start another thing. Over right? There. That's, that's kind of how I feel about TikTok. Like, I'm a little bit like, oh, the kids these days use the TikToks. Um, I couldn't remember what it was called earlier, and I called it a Tic Tac, and I was like, that's not right, but that's funny. <laughs> Tic Tac's pretty good. <laughs> like, I'm just going to call it the that candy app, you know, the Tic Tacs, and like that'll really drive my 17-year-old niece nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing drives kids angrier than misquoting mis, uh, actual products. Exactly. It's the greatest. It's the greatest. On a candy-related topic, this is very off-base, but the... Um, the last time I took a flight, I saw someone playing Candy Crush, and I was very uh, like the, it's apparently it's still a pretty big, big market. I thought it really dissipated back in its heyday of whenever that yeah. was twenty eighteen, maybe twenty seventeen. Uh, it might have even been earlier than that. Yeah. I feel like it might. I started the landscaping business in twenty seventeen, and I feel like it might have been done before that. Sorry, <laughs> or maybe that was just when I ran then. out of time to play computer games because I started a business, and that was all I did many years <laughs> now another question i always like to ask is a question you wish you were asked more frequently i say because it's less work for me because you're providing the questions which is always good but how can service-based businesses meet the needs of employees who want flexible schedules and remote work options yeah so this is a question that comes up all the time right where somebody says okay 
people really want to work for smaller companies or they really want to try working outside or they really want to work for a trades and service because they want to work with their hands, but they also want to be able to work remotely and they want to be able to have these flexible schedules. Um, and I think it's really two different questions that are being asked there, right? So one is, how do I let people work remotely? And the answer is, um, your admin people can. You know, there's not necessarily any reason your admin people can't work from home. Um, maybe you have co-working, a co-working space that they can come and work in if they need, you know, something that's not their house. Uh, plenty of people have kids and pets and spouses and construction and apartments and all kinds of reasons they have no desire in life to actually work from home. But maybe they want to go work at a co-working space and that could be a lot less expensive than having an actual office space. So these creative solutions around remote work of does everybody in your office actually need to come in? Uh, can your warehouse staff do database or emailing or data entry or whatever from home? If you have an, an all staff meeting, can you do that virtually? Right. Or and sometimes that makes more sense where we used to have our landscaping meetings. We would do our uh, all staff meeting every other Monday at seven o'clock in the morning. And we always did it virtually because it seemed dumb for somebody to drive all the way to the to the warehouse where we kept our stuff from one side of town and then go all the way back to that side, side of town to go to the job site. So we don't want to make people do that driving if we don't have to. In terms of those flexible schedules, you have this idea that everybody has to be working on the same schedule, but that's really not true. So you can have somebody who starts at 5 a.m. and works till one, and then somebody else who starts at noon and works till seven, and they can kind of shift that schedule a little bit to go, okay, that'll work. And you actually get more hours of work done in a day, but you're offsetting your schedule. And so you can look at solutions like that. You can look at, um, do you want to have some carve out spaces for timing that for people to drop off kids and childcare? That's almost always why people want those flexible schedules is they want to be able to handle childcare. And so with that childcare option, what is the school time that your people need? Talk to your staff, find out what they need. And if you ask your staff and say, hey, what do you need? I would really like to be able to offer this. I don't know how. I bet you they'll have some good ideas because they've spent a lot more time thinking about that, that than you have. And that, I think, is a thing we miss a lot is we think we as business owners, we as bosses, we as managers, we as leaders need to have all the answers. But if your staff have a problem, your staff probably also has an idea of how to fix it. That's how a lot of the best ideas are born anyway, right? Where it's, yeah. you, you see an issue and you're like, wait a minute, this could be, this could be better. Yeah. Well, and like in one of my favorite things I have ever done at a company um, that I instituted with the landscaping company is in October of every year, we sat down, uh, sometimes virtually, sometimes in person. It kind of depended on scheduling. Um, and we did a seasonal airing of the grievances. And that's exactly what it was. We wrote down every single problem that anybody could think of and everything they wanted to change. And there was no trying to solve it. There was no judgment. There was no anything. And I facilitated it. And I did not contribute at all specifically to preclude the idea that I'm going to talk anybody out of anything. All I did was scribe and write it down. And that gave me a, a state of a state of the union of my company. I knew exactly what people were dissatisfied with that I wanted to work on for next year. Everybody felt like their voices were heard. So nobody was sitting on anything and grumbling about it and going, bah, 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 there's this problem and Jesse's not addressing it. Right. So they always had this. So you had this open line of communication 
And that really contributed to that staff retention piece. I kept my leadership staff year over year, and that's also pretty uncommon for staff that you're laying off all the time. Was there something in the airing of grievances that totally took you off guard? You were like, I was not expecting that at all. Super often. I can't think of any instances across the top of my head, but like usually like I talk to my staff a lot and I was on job sites fairly often. So I usually knew what the problems were or I was uh, sometimes I knew I was the cause of them. Uh, <laughs> I definitely uh, tried not to be the manager to my staff was always really competent. So I tried not to be the manager who gets in their staff's way too much. Um, but sometimes I have pretty wicked ADHD, so I definitely sometimes think that I have told my staff something, and I did not, in fact, actually say it out loud to them. And it turns out that thinking I said it and actually saying it are two different pieces, and my staff did not always appreciate if it stayed in my head. So sometimes that would come up. They'd be like, we need you to be better at the communication." Um, and so new people were always like really hesitant to say that. And my staff who have been with me for a long time will be like, Jesse, stop being dumb. Use your words. I'd be like, thank you. I will work on that. Having just encountered something similar where a person just thought they had said something, I think it's good. It's a good skill to always be honing on really is, is saying right. words instead mm -hmm. of fully communication <laughs> it's real i hear people like it uh you know we can all be better at it all right well jess you're almost off the hook here we're gonna take a little bit of a, a skirt left turn here uh for your top three which is your top three bands to see live oh man so i really love live music and i really love live music that's a proper experience and so uh for context i grew up in the ska punk resurgence Ooh. of the late 90s and early aughts uh so all of my early concert experience were like full of horns and bopping around and that is what i think a good concert is and so bands that i really love live are uh currently touring bands i really love live um are mustard plug um, puts on a great show as a newer ska punk band. Uh, sometimes they tour with Real Big Fish, which I have seen Real Big Fish a pile of times, and I love it every time. Um, other bands I really like live is Sturgill Simpson. Puts on a spectacular, spectacular live experience. Um, and then my favorite surprising band that I like live is the Decemberists, who oh. I did not like until I went to their first show. Somebody invited it to me back when I was living in Philly a million years ago. And they said, hey, I have this extra ticket. Do you want to go see this band? And I was like, yeah, their album's OK, but I'm not doing anything. And I guess so. But they're awesome live. And so that was a really big surprise. Um, so, yeah, so those are kind of my. My top ones are ones I can bop around to are always, I like bopping. Love a good bop. You might appreciate this as well. In college, I took a um, public speaking course that was a, a required, <laughs> required course we had to take. And one of the speeches we had to give was a persuasive speech of some kind. And mine was why you should go see Real Big Fish in concert. Because I had recently seen them and it was like, oh, this was really good. And everyone else in the class that was there would like take notes and give you kind of like an overview of how you did. And the girl in the class who was like the smartest <laughs> by far um, and just like very good at everything she did said, I'm convinced. Where can I buy tickets? And I said, <laughs> boom, that's a good persuasive speech. Right. Yeah. And they are great live. I recommend everybody go and see them because they're so much fun. Yes. Second it. Second it right there. 
Well, Jesse, if people want to learn more about you, about Outgrow Your Garage, see some of these videos in action. Where can they find you? Uh, so the easiest way, of course, is our website, which is www.outgrowyourgarage.com. Um, we're also on Facebook and we're on LinkedIn. Uh, I personally am on LinkedIn. I'm fake on Facebook. I'm sort of there, but mostly I just promote my own stuff on Facebook. Um, but my LinkedIn has actual content. Uh, and yeah, those are the main ways. If you sign up for our mailing list, you get fun and exciting emails every Monday that are just the next four co-working slash office hours, uh, our most recent blog entry, and then usually one other thing. They are specifically designed to be skimmable in less than 15 seconds, and they only come on Mondays. Love a good skimmable. That's one of the promises I make with, with the uh, newsletter for this podcast as well. I'm like, we're not going to give you 3,000 emails every yeah, day. I give you There's, one every Monday. Yeah. You can skim it. It's easy peasy. Love it. Well, Jesse, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. This was fantastic. And I uh, excited to check out. I poked around a little bit, but excited to check out some more videos. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have found somebody I can talk a little punk rock with. Always yes. a good plan. <laughs> and you, when you reached out, you dropped some jokes. So you know that we have to end with a corny joke, as we always do. And you're welcome to share one of yours as well. But I've got one, if I, so you don't have to be put on the spot for, for corny jokeness here. <laughs> uh, so my favorite joke, we can swap corny jokes, but my actual favorite joke uh, is what's red and smells like blue paint. Red paint. Love it. <laughs> And that, that is my, what's your, now I want to hear one. You have to tell one back now. Uh, well, this one, I tried to make it business themed as well. Uh, why was the hot air balloon business doing so poorly? Why? It just couldn't take off. Get after it I today, like people. It. <laughs> Good People, Cool Things is produced in Austin, Texas. If you were a fan of this episode, go ahead and hit that follow button. That helps more people hear the show. You can send me a message, joey at goodpeoplecoolthings.com. Com. Thank you to all of the guests who have been on Good People, Cool Things. You can check out all the old episodes via goodpeoplecoolthings.com. As always, thank you for listening and have a wonderful day. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.